Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a Green Up Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Just One Carnato podcast. Morton took four points against Airdrie and Wraith. 2-1 win on Saturday thanks to the goals from George Oakley and Michael Garrity. Callum Fordyce scoring late on but the Ton managed to hold firm. And then last night's 0-0 draw. So here to talk about both games we have Mr Craig Dunning. How are we? I'm good, thank you Dean. Yourself? Aye, not bad. Obviously a long trip in the car last night but aye, definitely worth it. Aye, perfectly good point. But yes, we'll get to that. So, yeah, well, obviously, we'll we'll get to that. But I think, obviously, in the time that we've been, in the time that we've been off air, Andy Ritchie's announced his his retirement from club ambassadorial duties. What did you make of the the announcement and the news? Uh, Yeah, absolutely fair play to him. It's not something you really expect to to hear, but at the same time, yeah, absolutely. uh, Full respect to him. Uh, That's him. Shortly about to turn 68, I think. So, completely understandable that, yeah, he maybe wants to just come along, come along to games every so often, watching peace and quiet rather than rather than continuing to work at hospitality. And yeah, it's he's been a great presence around the club, especially in the last the last three years or so since we've had fans back in the ground. Yeah, I think he's the star attraction of hospitality in a way, isn't he? I think especially oh, yeah. for especially for the generation who who do remember him as a player. And uh, yeah, you can tell. Everyone wants to talk to him. And yeah, I think you, you you could tell just on the park at halftime against Airdrie that yeah, he was genuinely quite emotional himself. And, but yeah, absolute full respect to the man. He's, yes, the ultimate modern legend. And yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, I think so. I'd obviously, I think most modern fans have it kind of spent at least five minutes in his company at kind of some stage. But I think during lockdown was the first time that you realised that and he had an excellent commentator. You're know, really a really good football summariser, very much the gift of the gab. But I, I hadn't, I probably hadn't appreciated quite how good his insight into the game was until he started doing the commentary on lockdown. You then go, obviously, the hospitality host, kind of club ambassador. It's been good to see him get involved in. I think he, he, he's definitely, he always has been the star attraction in hospitality. I think he's someone that even if it's again, even listen to. Some of his insights in terms of dressing room stories and things, but I think it's also quite good when you're in at half time, you're in at full time, and you hear his insight into the game that he's just watched, and he's maybe highlighting one or two wee things that you haven't picked up. And it's I think that was that was something that really probably flew under the radar for a lot of fans. But absolutely, I hope he he enjoys his retirement. I think as well, he's any time that he's been in and, and kind of helped us with with more of the community work in terms of helping us launch programs and again just being that excellent ambassador for the club and yeah very much the very much probably the the first name you think of when you think of a Morton legend and definitely wish him a happy retirement and I hope he is is I hope he is back at Capelo as a fan and and maybe gets to to take the game in a little bit more I know that he's kept on his toes and he's kept busy when he's in hosting hospitality so hopefully he can come down and get a wee bit more peace and quiet like you said I think if anyone's not been on the forum yet Russell's penned a, a an excellent, a really fantastic tribute to him. Um, talking through his career, obviously everything that he's contributed to the club right across the gears, you know, plenty of videos, good pictures on it. It's definitely worth checking that out. But yes, very much a, a happy retirement to him. Yep, absolutely. So just looking, obviously we'll talk about the, the Airdrie game first, two changes to the lineup. Wilson drops out to be replaced by 
Garrity, Katongo coming in instead of Muirhead. What did you make to the what did you make of the starting eleven? Uh yeah, but a bit of a surprise. Obviously, Emery had mentioned that the, there were a couple of players with goals in his match preview for that game and yeah, we need to wait and see how they got on. But yeah, obviously we had no idea who that was gonna be and I, I was a bit concerned when I saw that because I think Wilson in particular has been in such fantastic form. And look, the the entire midfield have been the pretty much the entire team have been. Yeah. But yeah, like I would go as far as saying I'm I'm, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast <laughs> a, a couple of times over the last few months that Wilson's probably my player of the season so far. So I thought, right, that's a massive loss, especially with the way Airdrie do like to move the ball about in midfield. You really want Wilson in there to to disrupt them, cover the ground. But yeah, then there's a trade-off of that. Of yeah, look, your head has also been in excellent form. But with Katongo and Garrett out wide, you, yeah, I think they're, they're both a bit more energetic than Muirhead, It's fair to say, probably. And yeah, so you're maybe getting a bit more ground covered out wide that could compensate for that. And you know as well, um, Cammy Blues has been in excellent form himself. So and it, yeah, again, we we know fine well how much ground Blues can cover. So yeah, the, the sort of like for like change, as it were, uh, of Blues taking Wilson's place. Yeah, p- perfectly happy with that, really. And, yeah, th- that's the thing now. We've got the depth in the squad with when your head out that you can bring Garrity and Katongo in. And it- it's not like the position we were in in October where we were one injury away from, from bare bones. You know, we had those attacking options. We've got Garrity and Katongo starting and we've still got McGratton and Byrne to bring off the bench. So... I, I think it was it was good to see them both get a chance to show what they can do, uh, which is probably a, a nice segue to uh, talking about the first 11 minutes of the game. Yes, please do. <laughs> so, yes, do you want to talk us through Oakley's goal then? Uh, yeah, well, uh, fantastic play from Katongo. And I think it needs to be, it needs to be said as well, just the, uh, the poetic justice of the fact um, we know the reasons why Airdrie fans and Jackie Tongo have a mutual dislike, which incidentally yes. are the same reasons that Ian Murray and Jackie Tongo have a mutual dislike. Um, yes, around... I was going a different way with that, but okay. <laughs> uh, the, 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 I think... No, no, no. Uh, the, 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 those are the same way, because, yeah, it is around... Um, <laughs> yes, it is around how Miko Katongo, Jai's brother, was treated at Airdrie. Um, and, yeah, the fact that that's Katongo's first sustained spell of possession... In front of the Airdrie fans, they all start booing him. And yeah, three seconds later, the ball is hitting the back of the net off of a peach of a cross from Katongo. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He's got so much work to do there when he picks the ball up. And aye, that's absolutely fantastic to get into the position to put a cross in that he does. And it is a perfectly measured cross as well because the, the keeper cannot come for that. The the area yeah. that Katongo's put it in, if the keeper comes for it, he's not getting there and he's leaving the goal wide open. But it's a very hard one for a defender to cut out as well, as you saw. And yeah, great finish from Oakley. You, you know if you give Oakley a header in that position, he is going to be, bury it. Yeah, and I think it, it's you look, It's such a good transition. It was something that I know I had mentioned in the, the kind of first quarter of the season when we were really struggling is we, we looked a shadow of our former selves in terms of transitions in midfield. You look at how quickly we've won the ball back, we get it out, the amount of work that Katongo's got to do there. So I think starts from an Airdrie free kick, doesn't it? And then clear by Baird and then... Yeah, yeah um, it, had been, it had been a very stop-start game up to that point as well because obviously we'd had... It's not the last time we'll be talking about uh, Aaron Taylor Sinclair's use of his elbows, I fear. But um, yeah, we'd had already like a stoppage of over two minutes for Robbie Crawford going down with a head knock, which... Was a red card. It should have been a red card. Um, that's we we've all seen players um, 
lead with their elbow uh, going up for a header and accidentally catch someone. That's not what happened there. Taylor Sinclair has flung the elbow at Crawford in midair, and he's oh, very, yeah. very lucky to escape with a book in there to the point that. Oh yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's just the wrong decision from the ref. I would say it's it's negligent from the ref to leave a player who's so obviously gone in to deliberately hurt someone else on the park. And yeah, it yeah. wasn't the last time he did it in the game. But yeah, um, you, you could tell that yeah, in light of that, every of all obviously come set up decided they've got the narrative of big bad physical Morton in their heads and thought, oh, let's in the first 10 minutes show them that we can do that. And yeah, they've just gone out to, to absolutely do players. And Oh yeah, and they, yeah. they absolutely should have been down to 10 men. And that's, I think it, it's probably, I thought I was going to make it kind of later on, but we might as well, we'll talk about it now. What a bunch of absolute cloggers. Yeah. And it, it's, you talk about it, like you said, it's, we seem to have this reputation and it's absolutely unjustified. We will press you, we'll unsettle you, we'll stop you playing your football. But you look throughout the team, middle to front, you think, what well, we've got Muirhead and Oakley are probably the only two kind of over six feet. If you look at our attacking unit, if you take Wilson out of it, our kind of forward players were not a big team. We're yeah, not exactly. a particularly big and team. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're particularly physical. I think one of the things I used to moan about it quite a lot under Gus um, was our lack of tactical fouls. I think we've got that down to a fine art under Embry. That doesn't mean you're a dirty team. That means you defend. That's a good... That's good defending. Yes. We know when to take a man down. Um, yeah, it's we, no coincidence. We know how to be absolute shithouses when we need to be. And that's but that, a, and I get that, but yeah. that's, yeah, yeah, and that's I mean, a just the end of any team at any level. If yeah, you can absolutely. stop yeah. the opposition getting into a rhythm and imposing their style on you, you're going to have a chance against anyone. I don't think that deserves the criticism that we get. And you look at Queen's Park, obviously the, the game that we had up at Queen's Park, and again, good few meaty, meaty challenges getting in from Queen's Park that uh, that day. And then you look, Airdrie have kicked us off the fucking park. Yep. Um, and the idea that even then, like last night, obviously when we were coming back down, you've got Rory Loy saying, oh, Morton were big, Morton were physical. No, we weren't. Yeah, and th- that's the thing, like, yes, you're absolutely right about the height and our attacking options. Yeah, it's only Oakley and Muirhead. And that's the thing as well. Robbie Muirhead is tall. He'll absolutely compete for headers in the box. If, if you're... Yep. If you're whipping in a cross for a centre-forward to attack, rubbing your head's going to do a good job of getting his head on it. But see, it's certainly not a target man. Like, if you're putting the ball towards your head's head yeah. when he's got his back to goal, like, he's going to be useless because that's just not his game. Like, outside the box, you need to be getting the ball to your head's feet. So, yeah, we've effectively got one big physical attacking option, and that's George Oakley. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. And I get um, Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> but- that- that, that was so, uh, well, yeah. let, I'm conscious that we're 13 minutes in and we've not we've not actually got to Oakley scoring the goal yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah I, I, sorry, that was just the point that I was, I, yeah, I was leading to initially talking about uh, <laughs> Taylor Sinclair's somehow not a red card challenge on Crawford, that you could tell how fired up uh, the players were to, to to put every in their place after that that challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah, that there was, yeah, you could see there was a genuine fire in them. And I, um, Superbly taken from Oakley, and yeah, uh, as we said, an absolutely brilliant bit of play from Katongo. I think as well, and I think it, the way that Airdrie have set up, and obviously the message that Airdrie have given their players ahead of the game, I was actually quite stunned by how much Airdrie tried to squeeze. You look at that transition, and the Airdrie backline are very, very high. Now, don't get me wrong, Katongo's contribution to the goal is probably a one in a hundred. That probably only comes off one time in a hundred, but... 
they left themselves very, very open. And that's where you go, do you know, every get all the products for playing this nice brand of football. But you think I a little bit naive from them. I thought they were just they were they were too high. They left themselves far too open to that transition. Anyone that watches us knows how good we are on an attacking transition. You'd think I think if I was McKay watching that back, I'd be quite disappointed with that, to be honest. But take nothing away. I think the way that um the way that Crawford brought Katongo into play after getting the ball in from I think it was Garrity that kind of flicks it on him after Baird's initial clearance. Everything about that excellent transition and absolute piece of magic from Katongo and really well taken. But yeah, I think if you're Airdrie, you're really disappointed to lose that. And then especially when you you then couple that up with losing another one, I think it was yeah less than two minutes later. Do you want to I, talk us through the second? Uh yeah. So yeah, this is a superb goal, which at first I didn't even celebrate <laughs> because um yeah so I actually can't remember was it if it was if it was the ball coming back in from a set piece maybe uh when Blues put the ball back in but yeah uh, regardless uh, whether it was a, a set piece or just across the open play the initial ball yeah drops to the edge of the box hangs up in the air and Blues just dinks it towards Garrity at the back post and yeah well let's first of all uh, focus on what an absolutely brilliant finish that is. Uh, oh yeah, that is an absolutely obscene finish for Gary. <laughs> um, there, are, there are not many players who could take a ball like that, dropping out of the air first time, and connect with it as sweetly as he has. And yeah, keeper's got absolutely no chance with it. It's an absolutely phenomenal goal. However, yeah, I think I, yeah. Sorry, let me go. No, I was just about to say. I actually thought in the kind of first phase of that attack, I thought the work that Oakley did probably flew under the radar. Um, he's pinning back. I think it was Taylor Sinclair. Um, Oh, aye, that him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, that was a ball. He's pinning him yeah. back. The ball gets signed into him. It's quite an awkward one. He still manages to find Katongo. Um, for all, nothing really comes of it. Can it, it? It kind of falls loose after Katongo tries to put it into the box. Oakley again gets to the ball first in the second phase to kind of put it into the path of Blues, who then clips it in for for Garrity. Um, and I think you look at that. That probably five seconds. That kind of both those phases of play. I think underline just how crucial. Oakley as does because it's just it's those wee second balls when you're in the opposition third that result in chances. Um, and I just absolutely steal up from Oakley again. Aye, absolutely. Um, but yes, uh, on to the reason I didn't celebrate at the time was well, I, I didn't start celebrating for about three seconds until I saw the players all tearing off. <laughs> um, yeah. And because my first instinct was look at the linesman, and even after a few seconds of the flag not being up, I was like. Surely the flags are going up here, but no. And it's I, difficult as well because where we stand in the cow shed, when the linesman's down that side, you can't really see. Ah, uh, yeah, you're having to um, a bit to, to get a clear look at. But I, I was expecting it to be offside, but do you know what? What a finish! Um, yeah, and it uh, looks from the highlights. We were obviously talking about this in the car up last night. From the highlights, I think he's on. Yeah, I think he's on as well. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing. At the time, you're you're looking at it, and obviously you're looking at Garrity in relation to the defenders closest to him, and you're like, oh, yep. he's about two or three yards off there. But yeah, when you see the when you see the highlights and you see Taylor Sinclair's positioning, if he's off, it's very marginal. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, and uh, the, the big focus of that goal should be, yeah, as you said, there's the great work from Oakley in the build up. It's a lovely ball in from Blues and. Aye, the main focus is what an absolutely brilliant finish for Gary. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, really, really well worked goal. And again, it's it's probably not it, it's not something that really happened probably since Duffy. You look at that kind of period between Duffy and Emery where we were very, you would score once 
and that would be that. The amount of times that we now go right back after teams after we've scored yeah. is absolutely outstanding. I think it's testament to obviously the work that Imran and Emery and Milan are doing in terms of the attitude that they're imposing on the squad. But you look at it's a team full of endeavour that once we score once, we want to take advantage of the fact the opposition are going to be rocked and get onto the front foot and really dominate the game. And absolutely all credit the players for that. Aye, absolutely. But tell you what, that was anything else to, to can add to the, the first half there? Uh, yeah, I would just say that there was maybe a bit of a feeling at the time of have we gotten a bit too standoffish and sat too deep. But you know what? It's absolutely the right thing to do because you go you race into a two in a lead after eleven minutes and yeah, there's a natural instinct as a fan to immediately start thinking oh, we're going to put five or six on this mob today. But you know what? You get in a two and a lead in those circumstances, take the sting out of the game. There's absolutely no need to go and overcommit and you'll pour forward to try and score more. You end up leaving a leaving a stupid gap at the back. You can, you can see it out of nowhere and suddenly the game's wide open again. So yeah, I thought we managed that really well because yeah, it, as the half progressed, Airdrie were finding maybe a wee bit too much space in midfield, but at no point in that first half did we look like conceding. And yeah, I thought we managed the game superbly. And I would just say as well, in terms of the midfield, uh, I, I know, could do this uh, talking about the second half as well, but a player I really do want to single out for praise is Cammy Blues, because I thought in both halves, but yeah. especially the first half, he was absolutely everywhere. I mean, I, I said at the start about seeing the lineup and being, oh, if there's one player I don't want to lose, it's Ian Wilson. But Cammy Blues was absolutely sensational on Saturday. Yeah, just the amount of ground he covered. And, you know, it, it's not all just endeavouring work rate. It's the number of times he's covered the ground and made an interception and retained possession and moved it on from it. He was just sensational. And I feel like yeah. you know, we've seen the improvements in this whole team since the form started to turn at the start of December. We've, and it's a conversation we have with Blues every season of his development as a player. But I feel like since maybe about the start of January, pretty much every single week you're saying that might have been Blue's best game for Morton there. He's yeah. been in excellent form. And the fact he's done that while, oh, obviously he was back in central midfield on Saturday, but the fact he's done that while playing on the right-hand side for a lot of it as well is, yeah, again, a real testament to him that yeah, he's shown that ability to go into a different position and not just continue delivering, but deliver to an even higher standard. Yeah, I think the fact that he's he's brought his game on so much this year, I think he's added he's added attributes to his game as well. I think you look, he's always had the work rate, he's always had the endeavour, he's always had the attitude. But you look at, I think with Blues before you think you look at Blues maybe three or four seasons ago, and there were certain games where he, if he was if he couldn't impact the game, if he wasn't having a good game, he had absolutely no influence on it. And I think you look at now his in game awareness, his tactical understanding. All of those things have come on. You then look technically his passing range. He doesn't waste a ball. If if he's trying some sort, if he's take, if he's maybe trying to be a little bit creative and make something happen, his success rate has improved year on year. You now look. He can. He is now in a position where he's got the understanding to help us keep the ball and manage a game. He's got the understanding to go and press. You look at the protection that he gives French on our right hand side. I think probably doesn't get anywhere near the credit it deserves, and I think it's been a key part of us turning more fortunes around this year is just how much just how much he contributes to the defensive effort. But you've now got a player who has got an eye for a pass, can keep the ball when he has to, can dictate the tempo of a game, and his defensive work rate's absolutely beyond reproach. And I think you look at 
the fact that he can contribute all of those things and he's played probably what four different four or five different positions this year absolutely all credit to him and I think even now I probably still he's probably the most underrated player at the club on on what he's shown us this season but tell you what anything to add to the the kind of second half obviously kind of talk about I just obviously Oakley gets forced off we've got to kind of change your game plan a little bit were you nervous in the second half when that happened? Uh, yeah, th- that was a noticeable drop off. So I thought we've started the we've started the second half with the same intensity that we started the first half. We've should have been going three 0 up with Katongo's header off the bar, which was absolutely tremendous work from Oakley on the right wing. Uh, you don't really expect to see uh, as good as George Oakley is. You don't really expect to see him going by a fullback down the wing and swinging across in. But aye, it was a tremendous ball in, and aye, Katongo's maybe a bit unfortunate that it comes off the bar and bounces down and away rather than down and in. And then, yeah, we've had one off the line uh, from Crawford from a set piece as well. But, yeah, it's when the subs have started, there's been a noticeable drop-off. So there's the initial, and like, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do uh, from from Emily's part to, to make those subs. But we've had the double change with Strap and O'Connor off, Waters and Broadfoot on. And so like the, the nature of that game, the fact that Airdrie had yeah, turned up to do what they did and just clean bodies... And just ran away from the ref at that point. And so he was going through flurries where, you know, Stonewall bookings were not seeing a card, but then he'd have a five minute spell where he just started churning out cards for every challenge. And when a, when a game's gone that way, the fact that both Strap and O'Connor were on bookings, the schedule we've got coming up. Yeah. It, it made perfect sense to get them both off and let's not risk letting entry back in by going down to 10 men. But yeah, I think both Waters and Broadfoot did have a pretty, bad time of it when they came on. Again, it's not like there was any of one glaring error from either of them that you had them looking out of their depths or anything like that. But it was just the case that Airdrie started to get a lot more joy down our left-hand side and were targeting the gap between the two of them. That started to open up some opportunities for them. And then, obviously, we have Taylor Sinclair again. Um, he elbowed Oakley out of the game. That's the, that's the only way to describe it. He... He's already known, he's already gotten away with murder once from somehow escaping with just a booking when he should have been off for the elbow on Crawford. And then he's at it with Oakley all game. Very rarely was he even getting a free kick given against him for it. And then, yeah, right enough, eventually he does manage to injure Oakley, just constantly elbowing him in the back and the side. And yeah, it looked to be Oakley's side, his ribs maybe, that he's holding as he, as he was finally forced to hobble off. Um, and yeah, the fact that the fact that Taylor Sinclair wasn't even you know, penalised with a free kick was remarkable at that point because, I mean, it's a, it's his second straight red defence of the game. The fact he's not even up with a second booking is wild. Uh, yeah, there, there is absolutely no way Erdrey should have been finishing that game at 11 then. And, no. Yeah, and, and that is ultimately what's let Erdrey back into the game because, yeah, they've started to get a bit more joy down the right-hand side. They've found more space, but it was still, at worst, an even game that we were managing perfectly well with a two-goal lead. We were having plenty of spells in possession ourselves. We were able to get out. We were able to, to get into Erdrey's final third. As soon as Oakley went off, we we had no outball anymore. And yeah, that was when Erdrey knew they could pin his back and took control of that last 10 minutes. So yeah, they were they were rewarded for their thuggery, frankly. Yeah, I, the idea that think we had a spell before we managed, I can't remember who we put on, did we not have a, a good few minutes for, we had a good few minutes where we had to get down to 10 men because Oakley was because Oakley had been absolutely ragdolled. Like yeah. one team lost out there and it's one thing 
you can't necessarily blame Airdrie for it. You're you're gonna you're gonna absolutely try your best to get away with everything. Um, it's just, it was just a really poor referee, and I'm always conscious that we go in quite heavy on referees in this division. But you look at the way that game was refereed, you think referees are there to first and foremost, referees are there to ensure that the guys involved in the game got off the pitch safely at the end of it. And I just absolutely not good enough. But yeah, kind of the big, big drop-off, obviously losing that out ball. You look at the kind of makeshift front line that we've had to, to kind of finish the game with. It's obviously been enforced upon us. And I just, ugh, disappointing that we switch off at the end there. I kind of long, hard shift and let them kind of back into the game. But yeah, I think by and large, disappointed to not get the clean sheet. But I do think the, the players definitely deserve some praise for the way that we managed the game um, throughout the second half under quite tricky circumstances. Yeah, and that's the thing as well, because I did note in his post-match interview that Emery held his hands up about about their goal and said, yeah, that's on us, not getting messages on to the players about you know who was meant to be picking up who after subs have been made. And that's how you've ended up. All right. That's how mm-hmm. you've ended up with someone getting a completely free header uh, from yeah. that scenario, which is disappointing. But yeah, I think yeah, Emery himself has said the players on the park are pretty much blameless for that. And yeah, even at that point where you think, oh God, here we go. And the fact that we're somehow seven minutes of stoppage time added on for no apparent reason, you're thinking, oh, here's a problem. But I, even with struggling for an out ball, and again, I absolutely wouldn't criticise Michael Garrity for that. Because, yeah, of, of the fact that you know, the front three we had at that point effectively was Garrity, McGratton and Byrne, I think Garrity's the logical choice to be the one to go through the middle there. And he has... Um, Garrity was dead on his feet by that point yeah, as well. Exactly. That's it. He's dead on his feet. You know, he has played up front a bit uh, in his loan spell at and obviously the vast majority of the time in the wing, but the position's not completely alien to him the way it would be for McGrath and Burn. But yeah, it's just... Yeah, so it's, it's a, I dare say it's it's a role that's very unfamiliar to him. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just the uh, yeah, it's just the fact that he was absolutely dead on his feet that yeah. he couldn't press. And that and again, that was testament to how much run they'd done, how much ground he'd covered throughout the game. Because yeah, I thought, I thought he did play very well, but it, it was just that... With him in that physical condition, he was never going to be able to replicate what Oakley does leading the line. No, and it's it was testament that you could tell how much the players put into Saturday. But full time, obviously, a good few of them had, had collected, had collected a few knocks. But yeah, they kept running absolutely outstanding effort from them, um, and I think I, I thoroughly deserved three points. Aye, absolutely. So move on to Tuesday night. Jamie McDonald come off the the injury table to to step in. After Mullen picked up his knock, and Wilson's came back in in place of Wilson's come back in in place of Garrity. What did you make of the the lineup for that one? Uh, yeah, there's obviously the concern going in. We were expecting um, maybe to have bad news about Oakley, so yeah, a relief to see that Muirhead and Wilson were back in initially. Um, really surprised. Uh, I hadn't really foreseen Mullen missing out, and yeah, the fact that we've not seen McDonald on the bench for for months, and then all of a sudden he's straight into the start in 11 was an eyebrow razor. But yeah, because obviously that had been the case late on against the Airdrie. Baird had gone to take a goal kick and hadn't really thought anything of it. But I obviously, you'd assume... I had that, noticed just oh, before that that Mullen, I can't remember who it was, it was one of the outfield players was injured and Mullen had sprint like Mullen had made his way up into the, the Airdrie half to take in a spray. I think it was his thigh um, with deep heat. So I don't think it was the case of Mullen trying to run the clock down on Saturday. I think there, there genuinely had been an issue with him. Aye. And yeah, so uh, yeah, beyond Mullen and McDonald, 
I obviously, as I've said, it was, a, it was a relief to see Muirhead back. But I was expecting when I saw that 11 that, yeah, it would be Muirhead up front, Katongo out wide. But yeah, evidently wasn't the case. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I do think, obviously, we'll get on to talking about the game, but I do think we were just with a loss of Oakley already. Muirhead and Wilson both clearly weren't fully fit either. Katongo's not fully back up to speed yet. It was a bit of a scramble there to just find a team that worked with all of a sudden just quite a few players carrying knocks and I there was a there was a patchwork aspect to it, uh, which is absolutely no slight on any eleven players on the park. Just the fact that they, they were having to go out and play when some of them weren't weren't fully fit. Yeah. It's just a shame. Oh, well, it, and also it's it, it was very much testament to them for for going and getting that result when yeah we were in the position we were in. Yeah, I think as well Obviously, credit to McDonald. I, I can only assume he's struggling with a long-term injury. It kind of makes sense, given I think he's still based over in the East Coast. I, do you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with showing a bit of leeway with him and, and not asking him to come through to sit on a bench kind of every week if he is injured. Um, I think it's it's probably the it's probably a better decision to let him rest and recuperate um, and not have him sit in the car for probably two and a half, three hours a day to come through and, you know, kind of do the same gym work that he could do on his own. But, yeah, you'd then balance that up. Absolutely testament to him for coming and starting yesterday in, in an hour of need. And I think it is. It's, we were very much down to... We didn't have a, a great deal of a great deal of flexibility when it came to the start of the 11, but we'll still put out a, a very capable 11. So, what did you make of the first half then? Uh, yeah, I thought we absolutely flew out the traps, which, uh, yeah, you could tell the team were fired up again, which maybe wasn't a surprise after um, Emery's match preview uh yeah i thought first 15 minutes or so we were excellent um yeah just swarming all over them total control of the midfield and yeah putting the ball in the box quite a lot but yeah wraith did grow into it quite quickly and i it turned into a very even game i think momentum swinging both ways a lot thought first half in general we were very neat and tidy in possession knocking it about very nicely at the back but there we were just finding it hard to get into the final third because again it's back to that conversation we had um, right at the start of talking about the entry game about Big Bad Physical Morton when we didn't have uh, options to pass to pass through them on the deck uh, I thought and I thought Alan Power was excellent last night and he, he was spraying the ball about quite nicely but Wraith did do quite a good job of pressing us shutting off options for passes and yeah, when we couldn't find that pass through the midfield in defeat, we didn't have anything to aim at last night um, because George Oakley wasn't there. And George Oakley is the only option we've got if we want to go route one. Um, yeah, so it was frustrating at times where we were quite often just ended up in the position where you've worked the ball out to the fullback and really all they've got on is trying to clip it down the line and hoping it, it comes to the winger's feet or we play for throw-ins off of it. Yeah. I think that was it was tough. We you could tell that we struggled a little bit last night, especially and for all we we started really brightly, but you could tell one once we kind of settled down into the game, you could see how much we missed Oakley and how much we were having to adapt our game. Um, I think that like like you said, that's absolute testament to power because I think he was he was the player who was trying to make sure that we altered our game enough to give us an attacking threat. You look at his defensive work last night was absolutely outstanding, but like you said, spread the ball about, used the ball really well. Again, I thought Blues had a really tough game. He'd, he put in a hell of a shift. It was a, a bit of a thankless task for him last night against a, a, um, up against Dick. But I thought he did really, really well. And it, well, it was, we kind of huffed and puffed a little bit. I think probably my biggest I think probably my biggest praise from, from last night to the back four. I think you look at 
O'Connor and Baird are both booked early on. They've both had to really manage their game in the second half, um, kind of throughout the game. But yeah, you know, given where we were, absolutely no complaints with the with the performance. And I, you know, probably over the piece, unfortunately, not to nick it. Yeah, I think ultimately it's one of those games where if you're going to look at the balance of chances, then you would say, yeah, we have deserved to win that. But I think a draw is probably fair enough on the balance of play. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's a similar thing with when, uh, I mean, not quite the same circumstances, obviously, but when Wraith came to Capolo in November, like, on the balance of chances, we could have won that game about 70. But, but of course, um, ultimately, Wraith were actually a better team than us that night. You know, we've only started creating chances when they're already 2-0 up and, and managing the game. So uh, it's not as simple as saying you've created the chances. I think it was a very even game. It was last night, it's just that we've had the chances off of set pieces with Baird's header from a strap long throw, and then it was a corner being cleared out to strap, and uh, he's, he's hit the shot, and yeah, O'Connor's nearly managed to turn it, and then it's just gone by the post. Yep. And then twice Katongo's gone clean through and just not managed to, to get the ball out from under his feet to get a shot away. But yeah, um, yeah, we've forced Dabrowski into a few saves. McDonald's really had nothing to do other than claiming a couple of crosses. So, I yeah, I think we looked more like scoring than they did. But, yeah, I don't think either side can really have any complaints with 0-0. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, yeah, anything to, to add on the on the race game before we move on? Uh, yeah, I would just say disappointing to lose, to lose Wilson again, obviously. Which, again, I think the fact he's, he's ended up having to go off in the first half tells you that he probably wasn't really ready to start. But, again, it's been enforced a bit by the frequency of the games we've got coming up and the fact we've lost players in other positions too. But I thought I thought Grant Gillespie did very well coming off the bench. It is always a concern when you have... It's always a concern for me anyway. I think especially on such a wide pitch as Scott Park, when you've got Gillespie and Power in the midfield together, um, you know, are they going to be able to cover the ground enough? But yeah, it was absolutely no problem last night. I thought they both played very well. And again, you mentioned Alan Power in the first half. Um, yeah, I thought he was comfortably man of the match. Last night, he was the head and shoulders the best player in the back of the bottom. And yeah, it's really not long ago. It's only about a month or so ago where so every podcast I was on talking about future starting 11s and everything, I was saying, oh, much of a muchness between Power and Gillespie at this point. You know you'll get a good hour out of one, a good half hour out of the other. Last few games, Alan Power has absolutely made that place in the starting 11 his own. He has yeah. been fantastic. And yeah, I think one thing that was so critical last night, especially because we were finding it hard to to find space and play our way up the park when we didn't really have any option for, for going Route 1, is that ability that Powell's got. We've spoken about it before. Um, it's, I tend to refer to it as the Chris Miller thing. <laughs> Some people refer to it as the Michael Tidzer thing. Just that ability to buy himself space. Just one touch that will that an opponent does not see coming and will somehow just buy himself three or four yards of room when yeah. he's got no right to. And it's just enough to move the ball on in a positive fashion without taking any daft risks. Especially in a game like last, like last night, that was so important to have. And yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and I think he he contributed a lot in an attacking sense. But it was actually, I thought he's he's pressing off the ball particularly impressed me the way that he stopped he stopped Wraith building up through the middle. And yeah, I think he covered the ground really well, broke up play. And I, like you said, I, there's very few players there's very few players in the championship with that ability to buy themselves that amount of time and space on the ball, especially in 
an area as congested as it, as it was at times last night. So, yeah, I think it's he's definitely played his way into being a key player in the side at the moment. He's formed been excellent. Aye, absolutely. I would say as well, I completely understand what Emery's thought process was, but I would maybe have made more subs and made sooner last night. I do completely see the logic and why he wouldn't have wanted to. Um, but I think when Wraith have completely emptied their bench, they've made, they've made all five subs uh, when we'd still only made the one in the first half. And I think you could see both Katongo and Gerhead were, were done it. And yeah, we could have just maybe used fresher legs sooner. I think especially when Wraith have got the ability to bring guys like, well, I mean, the, the five subs were Mullen, Turner, Matthews, Rudden, Vaughan. Like that's a that's a pretty ridiculous set of fresh legs for a championship club to be bringing on. We maybe could have had could have had Gary on sooner. Could have had McGratton on as well. Just, I, I I get it's tough because you know, especially just after the entry game on Saturday, you've ended up with Gary through the middle and the ball keeps coming back to you. You don't want the risk of the same thing happening again. But I think you could tell your head was clearly still. I know there's been a rumour that. He was, uh, rather than being injured on Saturday, he was down with a bug or something. Um, you, you could tell he still wasn't 100% anyway. Uh, again, absolutely no lack of effort on his part. He's he's done everything. Oh, he, was, he was chasing shadows, but you could tell you could tell how much he was struggling last night, I think. Yeah, it's that way. You know, could we have had fresher legs on? Just you know, you'd make do with Garrity through the middle, have McGrattan out wide, something like that. But I, th- I think that, that maybe would have helped us get out a bit more in that, in that last 10 minutes or so. But Still, um, yeah, I, I can completely see the logic and why you wouldn't want to do it. And yeah, ultimately, it's a, especially in those circumstances where we've ended up being a wee bit threadbare. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Keeps the run going. And yeah, like, given the circumstances, absolutely delighted with the point. So tell you what, full card of championship games last night. Air beat Partick 4-3, Airdrie shocked Dundee United 2-0 winners up there, Inverness and Dunfermline nothing each, and Queen's Park putting six, again, putting six past a broth. So looking at the table, Dundee United and Wraith both on 51 points now, Partick on 38, we've closed the gap on them to a point, we're behind them in fourth and 37, Air on 32, Airdrie on 31, Queen's Park on 30, Dunfermline 29, Inverness 27, and a broth on 20. What was your your takeaway from the results last night? Well, our both are some laugh. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we're still to play Queens Park again this season, so we'll maybe get this comment. But if you're letting Killian Sheridan score against you in 2024, come on, grow up. Aye, <laughs> it's um, see, aye, I I can't see our both fighting their way out of this one. You look at, I know they've got a game in hand, but seven points are drafted the playoffs. Inverness are struggling. Um, I know I'd kind of said, I think, I can't remember which podcast it was, but I'd said recently, I think that's probably your bottom three. You'd kind of fancy Queen's Park to, you'd fancy Queen's Park to probably keep themselves certainly above 10th. And yeah, I'd still fancy them to keep fight, fight their way away from 9th now as well. And uh, Partick are also some laugh um, going from 3 1 down to 3 each in the space of five minutes. Only to go four three down within you know about thirty seconds. <laughs> Terrible we shame that. Um Yes. Yeah, they've uh, conceded a frankly ridiculous number of goals at this point. <laughs> um I think we were looking at it last night, it's forty four goals they've conceded so yeah, far 40, this year. Forty four and twenty five, aye. Um, um very much a case of their front line digging them out because you look there, we're level in the we're level with them on goal difference, but you look 
how defensively solid we've been probably underlines just how much their attacking players are getting them out of jail at times. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's now ten goals conceded in the last three games, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's well, yeah, on on Saturday, uh, yes. It's going to be embarrassing for someone, uh, Partick against Dundee United. Um, not entirely sure who. But, um, well, that was one of the points that I wanted to kind of raise. Do you think that result last night puts Jim Goodwin under pressure? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It was pretty hard to see a scenario where Goodwin, especially now we're about to go into March, where Goodwin doesn't see the season out. Like When you're in the midst of a title race, you're not going to sack your manager with well, you know, six or seven games to go, it's too high pressure a situation to trust games to a caretaker. But a trip to Furhill on Saturday, a trip to Capel on the on the following Tuesday. Tough and, run. Yeah. And if say they even take say that's even two draws, that's massive, massive pressure. Uh, I mean I th- I would think Dundee United would look at the way Partick has been defending and see Saturday as a great chance to get themselves back on track. But aye, that's a big um big pressure on Goodwin at that point. If they come out of those next two without winning either of them, which is not that unrealistic a shout, I could be in serious bother. Yeah. And it, that's that's a very tough situation if you're the Dundee United board, you look at how little time they've got left for the rest of the campaign. But if you're Dundee United, you're heavy favourites for the league. I would imagine that they've got the biggest budget in the league by a distance. I know Partick and Wraith like to kid on that they're not playing with a big, big budget for a championship team, but let's not arse about they are. Aye, do you know the idea that you can only concede 16 goals in a league season up to this point and still struggle in the title race with the players that they've got in the final third? They should be they should be home and hosed. I think you look, aye, it's a tough run of games for them coming up. It, so... Inverness next, how would you line up? Well, I don't know. Obviously, Emery's, Emery's known for keeping his cards quite close to his chest in terms of injuries and things, but how do you see his lining up for this one? Yeah, it's very dependent on who we've got available, isn't it? I mean, if, if Oakley's fit, then he comes back in. I think there's there's no doubt about that. Um, I think that recovery is going to play a massive part in it as well. Uh, yeah, I think if, if Mullins fit, he comes back in, but yeah, let's, yes. let's wait and see on that. You stick with the same back four, definitely. There's, yeah, just a question of, based on performances, there's absolutely no chance you'd want to drop Alan Power. But, yeah, is he, is he going to be able to play play all four games in 10 days? Maybe not. But then, do you also look at it of, if he can only start in one of Inverness or Dundee United, is it more important to get a win on Saturday than, than on Tuesday? Yeah, probably. So, yeah, do you persist with him for the Inverness game and then bring Gillespie in for him for the, for the Tuesday night? if he's not fit enough to do all four. And yeah, again, Ian Wilson maybe not going to make it, so if that's the case, if Wilson's out, I would absolutely be having Blues inside, uh, moved into the middle, and then your wingers, well, again, you don't know how fit your head and Katongo are, because yeah, it's, yeah, we can't forget that. Yeah, they're both, they're both still struggling, I think, going below to things. Yeah, Katongo's still making his way back from injury, and uh, he's played 80 minutes last night, Maybe not. I mean, there's the benefit of let's say let's say Oakley is still out and Muirhead's recovered a bit, so Muirhead's at centre forward and Wilson's out. So you go with Power Blues and Crawford in the middle. You don't. You still don't need to be starting Katongo. You you can go with Gareth McGrath out wide. Still be using Katongo as an impact sub. So we don't. We just need to be wary of stretching ourselves too thin here. Of yeah, if you go into Saturday. 
both Katongo and your head still aren't fully fit. He's out. Hopefully, you're start one of Katongo and your head, but maybe best to not risk them both. Obviously, look, it's, it's a game we need to be going and winning. But yeah, we shouldn't be. Yeah, well, we don't want to give ourselves bigger problems uh, down the road by, by just ringing players dry. So, yeah, I would be. Maybe be looking to take Tonga out the firing line, just use him as an impact sub rather than try to get 70 80 minutes out of him. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's spot on. It's, I would imagine that the, the squad selection for Saturday is going to be very much dependent on quite a few fitness tests on Friday to see where players are. Um, obviously, they, they travel back. I would imagine that the players are, players are typically off on a Wednesday, but yeah, I would imagine recovery session tomorrow. Again, and probably another light session on Friday and trying to get players as fit as they can heading into Saturday. But, yeah, it's another big, big game. Aye, absolutely. So, tell you what, we will leave it there. But, aye, pleasure as ever. Thank you very much for coming on. No, no problem at all. Thanks for having us. And we'll be back after the Inverness game. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. <laughs>